Okay, so if you want to get back in touch with your body and you want to get off of the crazy merry-go-round of going on a diet, coming off a diet, going on a diet, coming off a diet, the first step of the process is to reject the diet mentality. And I know that sounds so much easier said than done. I, I know if you're listening to this, you're probably thinking, I have been dieting my whole life or I have been following some kind of food rules or I have been restricting to some capacity and it's it's destroyed my relationship with food and I don't want to do it anymore. I, I just, I want to stop dieting. I want to stop the obsession with food. But at the same time, in the very next breath, at the same time, you're probably saying, I just don't know how to eat anymore. And that is the result of years and years of following some kind of food rules or some kind of diet plan. The longer you follow food rules, the longer you follow diet plans, the more disconnected from your body you become. So you might be in a position right now where you feel like, okay, I don't want to diet anymore, but because you're so disconnected, you also just don't know how to eat anymore. So in this episode, I am going to give you a breakdown of what's actually happening to your physiology when you are dieting. And then I'm also going to tell you how to start repairing that relationship that you have with food and with your body. So by the end of this podcast, I'm going to give you a, an eating framework and even some meal and snack ideas that can help you heal the physiology that the damage to your physiology that has been done by dieting and um, some nice meals and snacks that are nice and balanced that can help your body start to regain trust in you again. And this will be the beginning of the beautiful journey of you getting back in touch with your body and healing your relationship with food. So but before we get into all of that, it may help you to have some education and knowledge about what it is that's going on with your body when you are dieting so that when you feel tempted to go on another diet or if you start feeling tempted to restrict yourself again, you'll have the knowledge that will remind you, no, don't do that because it's really bad. So I like to start out by explaining how your physiology does not understand when you are trying to lose weight on purpose. When you start to restrict your calories, when you follow, when you start following a really strict diet plan or really strict food rules, your, your DNA, your cells, your physiology, your body does not say, oh, okay. Uh, so it looks like Melissa wants to start losing weight, so uh, let's go guys, let's, let's start losing weight. We're gonna restrict for fun. No, your physiology does not know the difference between intentional weight loss and real fucking danger. So for many millions of years throughout the evolution of Homo sapiens, we have not always had such adequate access to food. You know, right now it is 2022, while well, I at the time of the recording of this podcast. And in 2022, we have grocery stores, we have Grubhub, Uber Eats, restaurants, bodegas, corner stores, we have refrigerators, uh, stoves, toaster ovens. We have such a capacity for an abundance of food but for but 
but that reality is only really it has only really been the reality for the last few several few thousand years if that so very very recently when we're talking about the timeline of evolution it's just a blip it's it's so recent that we have so much abundant access to food for many millions of years it was not like that for many millions of years our ancestors were hunting and gathering they would go days without eating and then they would find food and then they would eat a whole bunch of food and then they would go days without eating and then they would find food and eat a whole bunch of food so your physiology is primed to respond in ways as if you know when you start restricting and not eating enough your physiology thinks okay we are in a famine I must adapt and then your body goes into a survival mode now I know the phrase survival mode kind of gets tossed around the diet culture world like so so um, frivolously but when we when we use the phrase survival mode what we're talking about really is a full body adaptation to the danger of starving so let's talk a little bit about that so i'll start off by saying that your conventional um your typical diet like Keto, Atkins, Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, uh, uh, Paleo, all of the things that you can think of. When those are being used for weight loss, there is a survival rate, uh, a survival rate, I'm sorry, a failure rate. <laughs> it's funny I said the word survival though. It ha- Those diets have a failure rate of 95%. So what does that mean? So that means that if after the weight loss, the initial weight loss occurs, or any subsequent, subsequent weight loss after that, the participant of the, the weight loss program will gain 100% of the weight back within five years. Furthermore, 60%, 60% of those 95% will go on to gain back more weight than they lost. So, I mean, that's pretty crazy, right? <laughs> it, it's, it's pretty wild. But what it shows is that the body really just doesn't like this shit. It really does not like losing weight on purpose. It is a threat. The, the, your physiology feels like it is a threat to survival, and it does everything in its power to prevent that from happening. So, and I I always ask this to people too, and maybe this is even you, but how many times have you heard people say, or have you said, you know, I have been struggling with weight my whole life. I have been struggling with food my whole life, and I am now the heaviest I've ever been. Right? How many times have you heard that? What that is, is the result of chronic dieting. And it's a little ironic, right? Because people go on diets, because they want to lose weight, but in the very process, in in the very pursuit of that weight loss, what they are doing to their physiology is so damaging that it is actually causing the exact opposite outcome of what they are after. 
And that is just plain and simply your physiology trying to save your life. This 95% failure rate, this this 60% of people who gain back more weight than they lost, this is just your body trying to keep you alive. Whenever you are on a really restrictive diet plan or following any kind of really restrictive food rules, and then you reach these breaking points of feeling like you're out of control, you're binging, you can't stop eating. Maybe you go a week of like following a really strict diet plan and then on the weekends you just feel like you have no control. Or maybe you don't really eat enough throughout the day and then you come home from work and it's like you are just knee deep in the cabinets eating chips and cookies and you just feel like you there's no off button. In our culture, from our from these diet programs that are constantly shoved in our faces our culture has us believe that this is a, a, a matter of willpower that this 95% failure rate is because you don't have enough willpower you don't have it in it, you, you you don't have it in you to say no to these foods and everybody thinks that they have a problem with food but that is not what is happening here Deep in your brain stem, the brain stem is the oldest part of the brain. It is the part of the brain that controls your heart rate, your respiration rate, your body temperature, all things survival, survival. Deep in the brain stem is where those behaviors get triggered. When you don't eat all day and then you come home to your cabinets full of cookies, chips, whatever it is that you decide you take out a whole pie of pizza, you eat the whole pie and then some or whatever, whatever the food is, it doesn't matter. Your brain stem is activated. When we talk about willpower, and I mean, we can have a whole nother conversation about willpower, but when we talk about willpower, let's just talk about the brain for a second, right? So willpower, making conscious decisions, using your rational thinking, that's located in the prefrontal cortex. That's, that's the front of the brain. That is the newest part of the brain. That's, when we're talking brainstem versus prefrontal cortex, we're talking the difference of millions of years, right? So, so when we hear these diet programs or you know diet coaches saying it's just a matter of willpower and shaming you that that you can't override what they, essentially what they're saying is you're not strong enough to override your brain stem it's complete bullshit your prefrontal cortex this whole concept of willpower ain't got nothing on your brain stem i mean really it it's really like saying like you don't have the willpower to make your heart stop beating. It, I mean, it's just ludicrous. It doesn't make any sense. You know, like we don't go around saying like, oh, if you really wanted to, you can pause your heartbeat for a few minutes. No, you cannot. Your brainstem won't let it happen. And that is what's happening when, when you're on a diet plan that's so restrictive. It's not meeting your nutrition needs for an extended period of time. Your brainstem gets activated and then you're sitting there eating, 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 eating because your brainstem is like, oh shit, we're in a famine. I need to get in as much food as possible to protect me so that I can survive because my human keeps, keeps encountering famines 
right? That's what your body thinks. It, it's really you doing diet plan after diet plan, but your physiology, your DNA is like, oh shit, I keep running into famines. Let me eat all of this right now. And, and your prefrontal cortex is crying, right? It's like, why can't I stop? Why can't I stop? I'm addicted to food. I can't stop eating. But your brainstem doesn't give a shit because it has nothing to do with that. Survival mode is kicked off, kicked off, okay? So <laughs> that's the education about what's happening in your brain when this survival, th these survival mechani mechanisms are being catalyzed. Now, what's happening in the body, the, the physical body outside of the brain? Um, well, it's happening inside the brain too as the brain controls the body, but throughout the rest of the body, when you are restricting this is stress. It is a tremendous form of stress on the physical body. When you are putting your body under a state of stress, the, stre the stress response releases cortisol. And then cortisol, when you have an abundance of cortisol, it, it changes the cycles of the rest of your hormones. It's all connected. All of your hormones work together. Cortisol, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, everything. It, it all goes together. Um, so when you have an, an elevated amount of cortisol as a result of dieting, everything else goes wackadoo as well. And when, when all of these hormone changes are happening, what's hap what your physiology does is it tries to slow down your metabolism. Because again, this is another avenue of survival. So you got your brainstem, you know, ordering two pies of pizza and you're eating the whole thing. So your brainstem is trying to help you survive by eating a whole lot of food. And then throughout your physical body, these hormone changes are happening that are slowing down your metabolism because, because you keep putting yourself in a famine. Your body is saying, oh no, I, I don't have enough. I, I can't afford to expend any extra calories than I have to. So we're gonna slow down the metabolism, right? So on all fronts, your body is trying to compensate. It's trying to help you survive. Now, it's interesting because all of the things that I just mentioned, all of the things that I, um, all of the dangers of, of dieting and following really restrictive food rules that I just said, these are really unhealthy. They are, um, there's a lot of risk factors that are associated with these diet plants, with these diet programs. And if these, if these risk factors were listed on the side of like a medication bottle, I guarantee you, you would never take that medication. But we, we put them on the side of diet programs and people just don't care. Or there, I mean, there's lots of reasons why it's not necessarily that people don't care. And as the podcast episode continues, we will get more and more into just culture and conditioning and how our culture has prioritized weight loss and staying as small as possible over everything else. So you will risk things like hormone imbalance, electrolyte imbalance, bone loss, poor blood sugar control, muscle loss, constipation, anxiety, depression, and then really ultimately eating disorders. Maybe you'll get some weight loss. You know, maybe, maybe you'll get some temporary weight loss for a little while. But I mean, look at all these risk factors, right? When you, when you weigh it out, 
no pun intended, when you weigh it out, it doesn't really sound like that good of a deal. It sounds pretty awful. It sounds pretty dangerous. But our culture has just just conditioned us and so conditioned us to feel like so much of our self-worth is placed in the size of our body that we're willing to risk it. We're willing to risk hormone imbalance, electrolyte imbalance, losing our bones, developing diabetes, eating disorders, anxieties. We're willing to risk all of these things if it means that we'll get a few sizes smaller. Right? So, so we'll get into that topic as the episode's continue on but for right now we are just equipping ourselves with the knowledge so that when at the end of this episode when I give you some tips and tricks about foods to eat and meal plans to follow when you're getting triggered and you feel like oh shit I just want to go back on a diet I just want to restrict I want to count my calories again you can remind yourself of all of these things that I just talked about so you could say no I'm not putting myself in a famine not doing it and you just keep going with the food plan um okay good so I will say, um, so let's get into the food. Let's get into some kind of eating pattern and, and kind of eating plan framework to begin your process of healing your relationship with food and in reconnecting with your body. So when we are dieting and restricting for extended periods of time, it disconnects us from our hunger and fullness cues, right? Your, your body doesn't trust you with hunger and fullness cues because Usually when you're dieting, you're not eating when you're hungry. So your body's like, okay, that's not working. (laughs) And then your body also doesn't want to send you a fullness cue when you're binging because your body is saying, oh no, like I just need to get as as much food as possible. I don't trust this person with fullness cues either because right now survival brain has taken over because you can't do it. Your body's like, I don't trust you. So I say that because... I want to preface this by saying as you move forward in learning how to re-nourish yourself, in the very beginning of, the, of this process, I would not worry too much about hunger and fullness cues because they're probably not accurate anyway. If you've been following me on Instagram for a long time, I know that sounds very counterintuitive to what I usually teach. On my Instagram, I talk a lot about eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full, uh, getting back in contact with hunger and fullness cues and honoring them. But in the very, very beginning of this process, your hunger and fullness cues are not going to be present. And if they are, they're probably not going to be so accurate. So with that being said, and this is how this is what I teach all of my one-on-one clients who I work with when they first start working out, when they first start working with me, I always recommend following this, the following framework. Now, I will just preface this by saying it is not a meal plan. It is just a framework. It is very loose. It is very flexible. And it's not necessarily meant to be something that, that is followed for the rest of your life. But it is a framework from which you can start to work to heal your relationship with food and get back in touch with your body. So with that being said, it's very simple. So get a pen and paper, pause the podcast, get a pen and paper and write this down. Okay, here it is. You want to have at least three meals and at least two snacks a day. And with all of your meals and with all of your snacks, you want to do your best to incorporate the three macronutrients, protein, carbohydrates, and fat. 
Now, I know there is a diet trend out there, uh, something called like counting macros. Okay, I'm not talking about counting macros. I don't care necessarily what the ratio of protein to carbohydrates to fat is. That is pretty irrelevant to me. Um, the point of this is to just get you used to, to eating all of these foods again and to reacclimate yourself to what it looks like to eat enough. Um, again, this is not to say that you should be eating protein, carbs, and fats at all your meals and all your snacks for the rest of your life, but it is a really good place to begin to show your body that it's safe, that you're not putting it through a famine, that you're going to begin nourishing it enough and that it can trust you again. And then only then will your body start to trust you again with hunger and fullness cues. And then down the line somewhere, you know, like when, when you've really restored that trust in your body, your metabolism is back up and running and healthy and your body feels safe with you again, your body will send you hunger and fullness cues. It will let you know, like, hey, you know, I'm not really feeling like I want a carbohydrate with my afternoon snack, so I'm just going to have a cheese stick and, I don't know, some almonds instead. And you'll be so in touch at that point that you're like, okay, whatever, I'll just do that. And it's not something that you even have to think about. You're just going with the flow. But for now, starting out, you need to take some time to really focus on nourishing yourself. And, um, it, you know, when, when we talk about rejecting the diet mentality, when in doubt, eat more. I'm telling you the framework that I typically start people out with is three meals and two snacks with protein, carbs, and fats. But if you are hungry for more, it is so important to honor your hunger. If you, if you do get a hunger cue, right? Um, when you're hungry, eat. If you're looking at your plate and you're wondering, is this enough? Add more. We cannot possibly start to talk about honoring a fullness cue and leaving food behind or taking food away when you're starting with such little to begin with. We need to start with an abundance of food. And this is where the shift in thinking really is so critical and, and so important. So many times I see people trying to get in contact with hunger and fullness cues while they're following like a 1400 calorie meal plan or a 1200 calorie meal plan. Forget it. It's never going to happen. Hunger and fullness cues are not there. And it takes time. This can take six to eight weeks of you really intentionally nourishing yourself throughout the day. It takes, I, I typically see it takes, it, it's funny too, because when I work with clients one-on-one, -on -one, I actually never, <laughs> a little, a little uh, spoiler alert, I actually never bring up the topic of hunger and fullness myself. I kind of, <laughs> I'm giving you the secret insights to my counseling. <laughs> I usually just sit back and I support my clients in, in following their meal plans, their, their meal framework. I hate saying meal plan because it's so so correlated with diet culture, but you know, following their, their meal frameworks, I really, I just support them in following their meal frameworks. And then like six to eight weeks along the way, my clients usually come back to me and they're like, you know, I, I felt like I was kind of full and I didn't really want a snack after dinner. And I'm like, yes, 
she got in touch with her with her her fullness cube, and I don't prompt it ever. So anyway, that's a little spoiler alert. But my point being is that the only way to truly get that back and to restore that trust with your body is to eat enough. So go eat enough. So, okay, what are some ideas of proteins and carbohydrates and fats and combinations that you can make? The reason why I love this framework is because it's so not strict. Like (laughs) the, the possibilities are absolutely endless, right? Like you could do a million things with this, right? Like for breakfast, you could do toast with avocado and eggs. Or you could do Greek yogurt with fruit and nuts. Or you could do oatmeal with peanut butter and nuts. Um, You know, again, these lists are not exhaustive. You could keep going. Um, For a snack, you could do peanut butter and bananas, right? Peanut butter is protein and fat. Banana has carbohydrate. Or you could do apple with peanut butter. Um... What else can you do? For a snack, you could do uh, like a charcuterie board. You could do um, crackers with cheese and some kind of meat and maybe some fruit. Um, What else can you do? Um, Even like you could do a granola bar with some kind of some kind of nut spread on top. Like granola bars can kind of be a little bit weak on on protein and fat. So sometimes I'll take like one of those Nature Valley granola bars, the crunchy ones, and I'll spread peanut butter on top of it to make it nice and rounded and more sustainable. So that's an idea. Um, For lunches and dinners, I mean, you could even do takeout, right? Sushi. If you like sushi, rice, fish, and, and avocado. If you like avocado in your roll, that's protein, carbon, fat. You could do tacos, right? The tortilla is carbohydrate. The meat is protein and then you could do sour cream avocado those are fats protein carb fat you could do steak with mashed potatoes and a vegetable steak protein mashed potatoes carbs um and if if you make the mashed potatoes yummy there's probably butter in there so (laughs) there's fat and then vegetables on the side to kind of just plump things up a question i get a lot about vegetables is where do they fit into the protein carbs and fats they don't Just plain and simple, the vegetables don't. I mean, yeah, there are some carbohydrates in in vegetables, but they're so negligent that it's not even worth counting. Um, So those, you know, your vegetables could just be the source of the vitamins and minerals and the fiber, but I would not count them as your carb. So sorry, cauliflower rice ain't gonna cut it. You need the real deal, real rice. Okay, so that's all I want to say about that. Um, if this helped you, you can let me know. You could find me on Instagram at um, the it's at embodied.nourishment. I would love to connect with you. Let me know if this podcast helped you. Um, you send me a DM and let me know if it was helpful, if you need any clarity on anything. And I will also put my application to work with me one-on-one in the show notes. So if you feel like, yes, this is exactly the method that I need and that I've been looking for, but you need some extra assistance, I will put that application in the show notes, like I said, and you can fill that out and I'll reach out to you. We'll, we'll talk a little bit and see how much further I can assist you in this journey of healing your relationship with food. So Thank you for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. I'll see you on the next episode. Bye.